0: Welcome to another episode of Behind the Now. Today I chat with the brilliant, award-winning author, John David Mann. Before becoming a full-time writer, John succeeded in several fields, including co-founding a high school at just 17 years old and becoming a concert cellist and prize-winning composer. John has published over 30 books, including the best-selling series, The Go-Giver, The Latte Factor, And a book about writing titled How to Write Good, or at least Gooder. Some of John's many awards include the Axiom Business Book Award, the Nautilus Award, and Taiwan's Golden Book Award for Innovation. Additionally, his most recent novel, Steel Fear, was named one of Publisher Weekly's best books of 2021. Listen in to be inspired by John's unique background and to learn lots of creative gems regarding the writing process and mindset. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk with you.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Me too.
0: Thank you. So you are a New York Times bestselling author. Um, You have written over 30 books. It's amazing everything that you've done. Um, So I just want to first ask you, what is your... How did you get to where you are today? Like, did you always want to be an author growing up? How did you ever get into writing? I know you have a very cool background. You are a composer, a cellist. But I'll let you, I'll let you talk over it.
1: Yeah, I, no, I did not. I never sat down and said I want to be an author. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I read a lot of people. A lot of writers talk about how they wanted to write books since they were a kid. Mm. I, I admire that so much. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. I um. I've kind of pinballed around, as, as you have probably already seen. I, I started out in classical music. I was a cellist and, and a composer. And my dad was a choral conductor. And my mom was an educator. And uh, I got very interested in education in my teens. Uh, I, was, I was already kind of launching a career as a composer. Uh, I dropped out of high school. And some friends and I started our own high school. Oh. And that was you know, sort of my first... I didn't call it this then, but that was my first experience in being an entrepreneur, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started this high school. It was very successful and, and ran on for a decade. And we had students go on to Harvard and Yale and all kinds of fun things. And then I got very interested in nutrition and natural health. And I got kind of was in that career for, for some years, which kind of led me into sales and and uh, you know, the, the whole world of superfoods and direct mm-hmm. selling and so forth. And I got involved in that world for a while. And everything I I, I did, I, I always seemed to be the guy who was editing the article or the brochure or the, you know, the newsletter mm-hmm. or what have you. I kind of fell into editing as a. Okay. Wasn't a, I didn't think it was a career, but that's what it kind of became. I spent over a decade really as a professional editor for a variety of business journals. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into writing. I kind of backed into writing. I had this plan to be a Hollywood screenwriter. Uh, this was my, that was a plan. I did sit down and say, I want to do this. It didn't happen. <laughs> that was my plan. Would you uh, still
0: want to do that with screenwriting?
1: Uh, yes and no i i did for a while i mean i wrote some screenplays i went out to mm-hmm. hollywood i you know i took some great classes i had a fantastic teacher in in hollywood and and uh i studied screenwriting like crazy but while i was doing that this friend of mine bob burke mm-hmm. uh approached me i knew i'd edited some stuff of his. he approached me and he said he wanted to co-write a book with me and that book ended up being my first book that that went big that was you know was substantial and um so I like to say, Bob Berg ruined my career.
2: <laughs> oh, screenwriting see. was
1: gone. So, and so, that's, and I've been writing books ever since.
0: Wow! So it really organically developed. I feel like it really did. You kind of followed your your joy. It sounds like overall, and then yeah. it kind of led you to where you needed to be. Yeah,
1: really, very much. My joy and, and just my fascinations. Like I've yeah, always your been, yeah, your yeah. curiosity. Yeah, I love
0: that. It's- I want to ask you, cause I'm very interested in, uh, the education system. Like I just, yeah. i that's always been a passion of mine, not how it is, but like, ja- like yes. changes that could be made. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I actually wrote a screenplay that really addresses that, which is interesting. I kind of wanted to, when you were 17, what made you want to start your own high school? What, what was the thought process behind that?
1: So, uh, A lot of friends of mine and I had gone to a grade school, to a a middle school that was small, kind of quirky, arts-focused private school. Now, when I say private school, you get this idea of you know rich kids. It wasn't all rich kids. It was you know it it was a say very artsy. Mm -hmm. uh, We would call today funky, or you know Mm -hmm. they didn't call it funky back then. That's that's what it was, and. um, my mom taught there, and she was a playwright. She ah. she would you know she wrote plays, and she would she would do Shakespeare with you know ten year olds and stuff. So it was a really cool environment. Um, and I had a friend there who was my cello teacher, also two years older than I was, and he ended up being the cellist of the Emerson String Quartet, you know, wow. like one of the, So really great things came out of that school. But by this time, that only went to ninth grade. So we were all had dispersed. We were all you know the diaspora. We were all in our own uh towns local public high schools mm-hmm. and i was just bored out of my mind i mean, the school was just boring i felt mm. like i was in some kind of institutional assembly line and it just uh, you know there was so much that i wanted to learn and this isn't just me all, all my friends there's so much we wanted to learn right and we felt like school was getting in the way.
2: Right. <laughs> was, it, was it Mark
1: Twain? Was it Mark Twain who said I never, never let a-, a, a Educa- you know, uh,
2: schooling school Education. Schooling interfere with your education. Yeah, yes. yeah, and
1: yeah. that's how it felt. That's how it felt. So what we wanted was, we, we, we started saying, what would it be like if we had a school where we could learn what we wanted to learn, mm. where we could pursue our, our interests and our passions and our fascinations, and you know, without, without limit. And that's, that's what we did.
0: Wow. Oh, I love that. So you and your, a few of your friends like made this school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yep. How was yeah, the spent... process for that? Like physically getting a building? Like how did you know? Yeah. Do?
1: <laughs> it was, we didn't know what to do. First of all, we we did not know. So I was, it was my, uh, my junior year of high school. That's mm-hmm. when I dropped out. I dropped out beginning of my junior year. Okay. That's in the fall of that year. My friends and I started talking about this. I, sp- I was the only one who dropped out and, and did this full-time. Uh, oh, I see.
0: Uh-huh. So I
1: kind of spearheaded the group. I spent the rest of the rest of that year through the summer, so like the next you know, 10 months or so, creating the school. One of the first things we did was we decided we needed a grown-up <laughs> to, to do things that we didn't know how to do, like get money and, like you said, uh-huh. get a building, and like, how do you do this? Right, right. Exactly. So we interviewed a number of, of people who all had interesting backgrounds in education, of people that our parents knew, connections of, mm-hmm. you know, we networked basically. Right, right. Okay. And we found a bunch of, of fascinating candidates. And mm-hmm. we ended up hiring, I say hiring, like we had the power to hire, right? <laughs> um, we hired a guy named Julian Thompson, Julian F. Thompson, who's gone now. But Julian was a wonderful uh, novelist. He wrote a book oh, called wow. The Grounding of Group Six, which is about a, a group of of uh, uh, of wealthy kids whose parents send them off to some kind of uh-huh. camp, and it turns out that their the parents have sent them there to be murdered. Oh <laughs> it's, a, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great book, a YA book. Anyway, so Julian became our director, and he he and us we uh, you know created it. We got everything on a on a shoestring, everything on a volunteer basis. The, right. the building was a loan um, from the local ethical society. It was it was just a really funky ramshackle, but, but excellent, excellent experience.
0: Wow. Oh, that's amazing. It sounds like you had amazing or have amazing parents too to foster that.
1: Let's Yeah. You know, Got to credit my parents. Got to yeah. credit my parents. They heard what we were doing and said, yeah, keep talking, you can do that, which is, you know, if that hadn't been true, it, it, couldn't have possibly happened.
0: Yes. Wow. That's really amazing. Okay. And so during that time you were playing the cello, where did you grow up by the way? Where was this? New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey.
1: Central New Jersey. Yep.
0: All right. And so you're a musician. Um, Okay. I see. And then you went into editing and then became a writer. So I Hmm. want to talk a little bit about your writing process. Um, Before we get into that, actually, how do you know when to have um, so it sounds like for you having a co-writer, Bob Berg, for the go-giver, kind of yes. naturally fell into place. But how yeah. do you know in general as a writer when to pursue a co-writer and when you'll be a good match and when not yeah. to? Um, what's your experience with that so far? Because I know you've done yeah. you've done both now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a, re- it's a really interesting question too, because it's, again, this is one more time. This is something that I didn't plan out, right. uh, but it just kind of sort of seemed to evolve out, out of, out of uh, circumstance. Um, so out of those 30 plus books, almost all have been co-authorships. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everything I've, I've written, I've, I've written with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that has been pragmatic, uh in in some cases I was writing somebody else's memoirs serving mm, right. basically uh-huh. as, as a ghostwriter in a uh-huh. sense um, in some cases like with Bob, um, you know the other person had an idea for a book but didn't have the chops to mm. to do the writing you know to, to take it from idea to yes, an entire yeah. story so it was um, and, and it also in many cases and this is where the pragmatic part comes in uh, I don't have a huge uh, I didn't have a huge marketing background, a huge marketing mm. skill set. Uh, I didn't have a big social media platform when such a thing began to exist. Mm. And I've partnered in many cases with with co-authors who kind of handle the marketing part.
0: I see, yeah.
1: A lot of people who aren't in publishing don't realize that when you write a book, it isn't like you write the book, give it to the publisher, and they promote it. Right. Yeah, It's not like that. It's like mm-hmm. the publisher will get the book in, into, into, you know, distribution into mm-hmm. bookstores, but it's, it's the author is, bears a large part of the responsibility wow. for getting the book yeah. out in the world, building the buzz, getting word of mouth out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of it was, I, I would partner with a, a co-author who would kind of handle the marketing part. It's like Bob's Bob sat me down and said, make you a deal. You write the book, I'll market the book. I was like, Okay. <laughs> that sounds good to me. So it isn't like Bob didn't write any of it. And it isn't like I didn't do any marketing. It's uh-huh. not you know that black and white, but that was kind of our, our those were kind of our areas. And um, Bob has been an amazing partner since The Go-Giver, audiovisual aid, The Go-Giver. Yes. Perfect. Sold over a million copies. Amazing. Um, and since then, there have been series this is a parable it's a story that Mm -hmm. illustrate illustrates the principles and there have been a series of of sequels so there's now four or five uh Mm -hmm. go-giver books my wife and I are coming out with another one we just co-wrote
2: oh yeah that's Uh, next year yeah
1: go-giver marriage this is so I've done a lot of those with Bob I've also co-authored about a half a dozen books with Brandon Webb the Mm -hmm. Navy Seal which is what this all this background is about And, you know, in both cases, and I've co-authored a lot of books with people who had really interesting life stories. And so Mm -hmm. I told their story, my writing, their story. That's, you know, that's a little bit like being the actor in a biopic. It's like being Rami Malek and playing Freddie Mercury.
2: Right. Uh
1: Yeah. uh, So and then in... uh, you asked about how you, how you choose, how you pick that. So
0: I see how for you, it kind of just made sense. In most in yeah. every case, there was some reason. So that makes sense. And yeah, then yeah. Um, what about just like the work, the work ethic of writing with someone? Like when you guys have conflicts, right? Like you see it like this, someone sees it like this. And like, how do you sort that out? How do you get through yeah. it? How do you not sometimes take too long brainstorming things also where it's like, there's no progress? Um, what are yeah. your experiences with that?
1: You know, there have been, uh, been some projects that I've, there have been some projects that sounded really interesting in many ways or sounded mm-hmm. really commercially viable that I've said, eh, nah. Because mm. it just didn't feel like a fit. Right. Uh, it didn't feel like the person and I were going to be a fit or the subject and yeah. I. Were gonna be a fit, so I don't think I really want to write that book. Right. You know, um, and uh, like if they had brought me in to write, OJ's, if I did it, mm. I wouldn't have written it. It's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to be the guy that wrote that book. It's okay. not what I want to do. Um, so that was kind of an extreme example I just gave there. <laughs> there have also been projects where I got in, where I started. And it. it after a while, it just became apparent that it wasn't working. And, oh, and I see. You had
0: okay. Yeah, so sometimes uh, it is that trial and error and you can just, you have to let it go.
1: I've gotten a lot better. Over sussing something out from the start and saying, is this mm. going to work? Is not going to work? And in the books that I've done, the, the partners that I've had, the co authors I've had, you, you ask, what do you do when you have a conflict? I hate to say we don't. I mean, yeah. we really don't. Wow. Um, it's And and again, I do most of the writing. It's, mm. it's not in there, there are co authorships, you know, there, there are partnerships in writing where they really share the writing. But oh, I see. I see. In mine, it's like I do most of the writing. Oh, like,
0: I see. Okay. So,
1: okay. like, we all yeah. we all have our jobs to do. We all have right. Our, our right, areas.
0: So that makes sense. That makes complete sense. I'm like, yeah. So I sometimes think of it as like every like meeting together and like, okay, hey, what are we writing?
1: <laughs> but yeah. you guys meet, yeah. but
0: it's like you go off and write. That's
1: like that's like the writing room on a TV show, right? Right. Like six exactly. guys, eight guys in a room. Exactly. Say, okay,
2: wait, wait. Yeah.
1: Now my wife and I just did that. Um, but oh, you know wow. we have we have practice uh-huh. uh you know working together yes yeah, I'm sure. and that worked out beautifully we wrote a book just now where i wrote most of the first half and she wrote most of the back half and, wow. and then you know we and that worked out really really well but in most cases how it works jenna is this i to do a book project they're kind of like three three phases the first okay, phase
2: mm-hmm. i'm
1: talking with the person uh i'm maybe if they have you know, I, it, it, if they're a public speaker, I watch some of their talks. I, mm-hmm. I, I get them on, on video or whatever, and I leave the transcripts. I just kind of absorb their material. Mm-hmm. We may talk on the phone, you know, a couple of dozen times. I just, that's the gathering phase. I just mm-hmm. learn everything I need to learn, kind of suck up the material. Then there's the writing part, the drafting part, which I close my door, close my windows, and it's just me. And mm-hmm. I just draft and I, I, I don't really consult. That's like, that's a solo activity. Mm-hmm. Then once I got a draft, I open it back up again. Right. And now we're in dialogue. And, and maybe they'll say, hey, what about, what about if you did this differently or you did that? And we, and we go back and forth. So there is input, mm-hmm. you know, but the heavy, heavy lifting of, the, of, you know, turning out 50,000 words or 100,000 words, I, I do that solo.
0: Right, it's okay. That makes sense. I'm glad you broke that down. I can see that yeah. now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that totally makes, makes sense. So, what made you write? You wrote, um, so this book you wrote completely on your own and is currently online. How to write good, or at least better, yes. right? Um, what made you write that? Because I've started it. It's extremely <laughs> oh, really? informative. Yes, it's really oh, amazing. good for you. Far out. There's such gold in it. Um, Mwah. and what made Bless you want to? Yeah, what made you want to give back? It's like giving back, really, because you are breaking down, like, writing yeah. secrets. <laughs> what yeah. made you want to write that? And how long did that take for you? Was that, like, an easy thing to write, or,
2: yeah? It
1: was really interest- really an interesting experience. Uh, huh. I call that my love letter to my, to my readers. Uh, uh, I started out, you know, mostly when I do podcasts or interviews or, or shows or things, uh, we're talking about the content of a book. I'm mm. you know, talking about the subject matter of the book, but every now and then I would get a question about, you know, so the writing process, what was it like to write mm. that? How did you do this? How did you make this decision? How did you come up with that character? You know, what were the challenges? And I'd hear myself answer a question and go, oh, I didn't know I knew that, or I didn't know I mm-hmm. thought that. Um, and Joan Didion once said, I write to find out what I think.
2: Yes. Right? I and think sometimes that in there,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. yeah sometimes, sometimes we, we, we talk, you know. We we speak to find, and we discover that we we just said things we didn't even mm-hmm. know we knew. So I would say I should write that down, and I started writing those things down. I started collecting a, a set of just you know, notes and scribbles on on the mm-hmm. writing process. And a year ago or so, I said, you know, I should put that together in like a little article or like a little ebook mm-hmm. or something. And I, once I sat down to start to write it. It grew, and it's you know, like it's a full size book.
0: Yes, it Um, is. is.
1: I will probably publish that eventually as a real book, yeah, with covers and everything on Amazon. But right now, it's as you say, it's it's a it's a a download. It's a free download on my site. It's um, and and I I just did it exclusively for now, for my readers, people who go to my Mm. site. It's my effort to do two things to. For people who want to write, and I don't mean who want to be published writers mm-hmm. or, or write books, but write anything, write right. you know, blog posts, articles, op eds, you know, newsletters, whatever, brochures, people who want to write, just my effort to help help people do that better. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is to kind of be a cheerleader and support system. I mean, I've gotten so much out of listening to, other writers, particularly mm. famous writers, talk about their process on, on Zoom interviews or you know mm-hmm. in, in book signings, it's bookstores or what have you. And I, you know, I talked about this in the very beginning of the book, Dennis Lehane, right? I went to hear Dennis Lehane yeah. one day at a public library near our house. And it just changed my life.
0: Right. It validated that your process yeah. was normal to some extent, like not knowing what you're doing when you start a project, right? Yes.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes. He started talking about what it felt like on the inside. And I said, like, oh my God, it's like that for me. So, you know, I just wanted to give that same experience to to other people and, and help. If I can help people, you know, shortcut a couple of years uh-huh. of trial and error and shortcut some, some, some pain and angst and suffering and, and, get into their own writing flow more quickly and more and more productively and more satisfyingly, then I'll be thrilled.
0: Yeah, I love that. So the, like the nitty gritty, do you normally start with, I suppose it depends what you're writing. So you can go yeah. um, for each thing. But like, do you normally start with structure and outline? Or do you kind of spill stuff out? And then you see the story? <laughs> like, what's what funny. process like?
1: That's a funny thing. Cause I'm a very outline oriented guy. I'm a very okay. structured guy. And part of that is I, I still kind of think like a composer. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, like a, a book is like a symphony for that's me. So I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about how, you know, theme and theme in the beginning comes back at the end of the end of the last movement. And I, so I I think like in arcs and structures, I'm very much of a structure guy, but that's not how I start. Um, yeah. How I start is, is never with an outline. How I start is, uh, with whatever sparks, like for example, I'm, I'm writing it right now, you know, the book Steel Fear, which mm-hmm. you can see here on the screen. You're
0: writing the second one, right?
1: I'm writing the second one, right. exactly. So this one is, is just, it came out a month ago and I, I'm almost finished with the, the manuscript of the second one. The second one, all I knew to start with was, an, was I had a, a location, which mm-hmm. was Iceland. Second one happens in Iceland. And then I just had this idea that a girl drowns Uh and uh because my hero finn the navy seal like water is his whole life he's like water is like a superpower he Uh he loves the water so all he drinks is water his water is like his theme and i had this idea what i just had that came to me what would be what would it feel like to actually drown i've never drowned i hope i never do (laughs) but i just i was just like wow that would be a a terrifying experience
2: Uh
1: and so i just had this picture of this Young woman drowning, and I had no idea what it meant. Mm. And I thought, where would she drown in the middle of Iceland? And so I started looking at maps of, of Reykjavik, and right in the middle of Reykjavik, there's this little lake right in the middle of downtown. I wow. thought, That's where she drowns in the middle of winter, but wait, it's icy. I researched some more and I found that um. they keep a corner of the lake uh, uh, thawed for um. ducks uh. all through the oh. winter. Wow. So she goes in that corner and drowns. Why does she do that? I have no idea. So that's sometimes you just
0: yeah. Have this you just thing have like, uh huh.
1: And say, what does that mean? I do not know.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and you the go whole, with that.
1: whole book came out of that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So that leads me to how do you know when an idea is worth pursuing? I think it's just something like you can't forget it, right? Like it's just building in you. Is that Yeah. It's
1: like if it catches at you, if it, if okay. it really if it catches at you and I've had ideas that I've pursued and then I didn't really know where to go with it. And, and, it's not. and you know, by the way, it's the same thing when you're writing nonfiction, if you're mm. writing, um, let's just say, for example, you're writing yeah. a memoir or you're not writing a memoir, you're writing an article about somebody. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, which is kind of like a small memoir, right? Mm-hmm. You're writing someone's life story. Okay. So that's not fiction. That happened. That's a right. real person. And all this stuff really happened. Your only job is to write it down, but you are not a tape recorder. It's not like, oh, just write down what happened. Your job as a writer, you still have to figure out what's the story here.
2: Right,
0: yeah.
1: Like, where does it start? Where does it end? What's the Mm -hmm. art? What what does it mean? What are the high points? What's the big challenge? And it's like, what is the story of this person's life? Because the person often doesn't know. Like they know they've had all these experiences but a story has a structure. It has a form, right. you know, it's like, it's got act one, act two, act three. Right. right. And <laughs> I also,
0: I feel like a memoir you have this person who has like the, like almost like an A story, a B story, a C, like a bunch of different storylines. And it's like, yes. which one are you focusing on or which yes. couple? Right. That's interesting. Exactly.
1: exactly. So yeah. sometimes you, you pursue a, a, you know, you pursue a a line or an idea mm-hmm. and after a while you realize you know this is not actually going anywhere that seems too interesting so hmm. it, it, a lot of it is trial and error it, this is what i'm saying yeah um but it's yeah it's you know whatever really catches your interest is you know is where you start so right. that's why. for me i don't start with an outline. i start with just ideas and say well, how, hmm. how might this happen where does this go from there and after a little while and start getting a couple of pages of notes and thoughts and ideas it's like okay, now I need an outline because I need some boxes to start right. to organize yeah. this thought. What, what's the chronology? What's the sequence? Uh-huh. And for me, the most important thing is an outline is malleable. It's always shifting, changing, moving. Mm. So I write stuff and then I outline and then I take the outline, suggest more stuff and then I write more stuff and then I, stuff, and then I go back to the outline. Mm-hmm. It's like right brain and I'm left like, brain I'm going like back that. and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah, natural, definitely. isn't it?
0: Definitely. It's a first, rhythm. Yeah, yeah, and like that first thing you kind of sometimes... At least for me, I've I've tried to start writing too quickly, I realize. And it's like you mm-hmm. actually need to let that marinate a bit longer yes. to kind of like organically fill it out. And then still yes. I'll sometimes start and still it's like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Cause there'll be like you these know. gaps and things, you know? And it's like, I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just it's interesting. Thing.
1: <laughs> it is. It's a delicate balance of it's like for me when I'm trying when I'm when I'm gonna sit down and write something, I need to. So you're taking something that doesn't exist and trying to put it into words in a page, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit like trying to catch smoke.
2: Right.
1: And that for me, the balance is I need to focus it, but if I push it and focus it too hard, I kind of lose what it is. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: it's like, when do you sit around and just kind of go, ah, and play with thoughts? And when do you say, okay, time to get organized? And you know, and it's it's a it's a delicate balance you can't force it right
0: yes that's, yeah you explained that so beautifully <laughs> that's oh, <good>.
1: exactly
0: it <laughs> that's so interesting yeah. so a lot of from, it, a lot of yeah. it for me
1: is just is learning how to be kind to myself
0: yes and, and, and
1: no you know okay i may be frustrated i may feel like i'm not doing a good job right now but it's not that i'm not doing a good job this is hard work mm-hmm. i'm i'm like it's like trying to to get on a wild horse and ride it. Mm. And, and so it's like, be gentle with yourself, be kind to yourself, but just stay on it. You know, don't yeah, get it fuck you exactly.
2: off.
0: Do you ever, um, so what do you tend to do when you hit like writer's block or like, when you're just stuck, what do you do personally?
1: It, it, there's a, you know, for me, it's been a process of kind of learning how it feels because there are sort of different kinds of, of blocks to mm. me, different kinds, different kinds of brick walls sometimes what's happening is I can't make this story work something is like not working here Uh and I can't make this a chapter or this scene like fit and I'm frustrated with it and what it is 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 there's a bigger question that I haven't asked like Mm. what is the character doing right now What, what what is it that they're trying to find or what is it that you know what's what is the larger question that's going on? And maybe I have to back up and take a look at the sort of the whole storyline. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm frustrated with a scene or with a, a point in the story, I will back up and say, okay, let's do it. Let's do a f- brand new fresh outline just on a single page
2: mm-hmm.
1: of this main character or the secondary character through the whole story, how they change, where they mm. change, how do they change and just see like, where am I with this character right now? I can't write this scene because I don't know what's going on for this character. Cause I haven't actually thought through, mm. but sometimes it's a question of just looking at it from a different angle and, and, and backing off a bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my brain is just tired and I need to just put it down and go read oh, that's and nice. I'll go read like, you know, the latest novel I just picked up, or whatever, yeah, just to kind of air out the brain and and feed the furnace. To use two different metaphors right. at the same time, you, you know. Ex- or-
0: yes, you explain um, in your book. You explain reading and writing as like inhaling and exhaling, which made so much sense. And not yeah. just for writing, for kind of any any creativity. There's that, you know, like the yes. second you're too focused on just the art whatever it is you're like you need that inspiration as well like the ideas the imagination that's and that comes from like everything else you know yeah that was really yeah I'm very careful what I
1: read when I'm writing because I don't you know I don't want to write exactly imitate the style of the the, (laughs) the author I'm reading right now Uh uh-huh but I know that my writing is going to be influenced. So sometimes I mm. say, well, who do I want to be influenced while I'm writing this particular book? Uh, you know, I want to, be, you know. want to be influenced by, you know, by Jack Reacher or do I want to be influenced by, you know? So, and, and I, I read less when I'm in the thick of writing, uh-huh. but I can't stop altogether because then it's like, as you right. say, I have no oxygen. You know, yeah. something else that happens for me is sometimes I just have to get out of my office, out of my room. I'll be, I'll be like stuck. I've worked for 45 minutes and something and I'm kind of stuck and I don't know. And I just take my dog for a walk. And the mm. moment I'm like half a block away, my brain starts going, right. <laughs> get all these ideas. I go, Oh, right. The outside world, oxygen. <laughs> and they, Oh, you know, sometimes yeah. it's just, you know, you, you get too cramped. Yeah. So
0: I love all of that. I've experienced all of that to like degrees, you know, I'm like, Oh yes. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, Have you heard um, Elizabeth Gilbert talk about, she has a Ted talk about creativity. I haven't, I've
1: been told I need to hear this.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh really? It's quite, it's from a while ago, but it just, what you're saying reminds me of it. Like just creativity in general, how there's like, yeah, it's very interesting. She talks about how you should change your whole, we, everyone should, how we think of like creativity, not from coming from the human, but like from, as we're more like vessels. And when you yep. say everything you're saying, it kind of just makes sense with that too, you
1: know? Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I, I have, um, you know, Jenna, I've got two, I talked about the, the right brain, left brain, that mm-hmm. two processes of being, of just letting sparks go versus being structured. I've actually got two different locations in my office. I'm looking at them right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I've got
1: a place at my desk where I'm sitting right now with my computer is, and it's, and it's kind of where my, where I organize mm-hmm. with my fingers. And then I've got a comfy chair over in the corner where my, my computer never goes there. Oh. It's just me and a pad of paper and a pen and a cup of tea. And uh, that's where I start out every day. I start out there at five thirty in the morning or, or so with a blank pad of paper. And, and uh, I don't think in structure, I just kind of like, yeah, of uh-huh. I sit there and say, well, now what's, what's on the menu today. I don't know. And it feels exactly like you're describing, like I'm going to sit here and just open up my brain mm. and say, okay, pour in whatever you want to pour in. And I may have a, you know, a chapter draft from yesterday that I'm actually working on. So I actually have something on my, on my, my uh, side table there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't sit down and start going, okay, I'm going to edit this and edit this. I s- put it down. It's almost like putting it down like you're putting it on an altar, you know? uh-huh. <laughs> like you're offering it up and kind of sit back and go, okay, opening up the brain
2: uh-huh.
1: or in. And I may sit there for 15 minutes and nothing happens. And that is okay. Mm. because that's, that's the time of just being open to, uh, to unexpected thoughts.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's the same with what you said, like taking your dog for a walk, all of that stuff sometimes yes. opens that pathway.
1: Yes. Yeah. So Although I wonder if my dog is communicating with me telepathically <laughs> and he's really writing the book. I'm not sure that's possible. Oh my
0: gosh. So. What kind of dog do you have?
1: We have a mini poodle. Okay, oh, so cute. Uh, and he's named Finn after the hero of my book. He's,
2: oh I have, wow!
1: I think his IQ, which has not been measured, must be about the same as the combined IQs of myself and my wife. It's my guess.
0: <laughs> wow,
1: <laughs> very that's smart. Cute. I
0: was just curious. Okay, so okay, so now you're writing. Now you're writing novels. What is the? Yes. How does that process? First, what made you um, decide to write a novel? Because it's very different than your other books. And then, yes, yeah. yeah. What made you decide to do that? And then, what's the process? How does the process differ for that?
1: Yes. Like most good things in my life, it wasn't my idea. Right. <laughs> um, I, just, I just responded to it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, all of the greatest things in my life were things that I just said yes to when they came that's, along.
2: That's,
1: mm-hmm. um, and when I first started talking with Brandon Webb, we, we wrote his memoir, which is called The Red Circle. That was a New York Times bestseller. And that mm-hmm. was a really exciting project back in, you know, a decade ago plus. And that was the, his story of, of growing up and in, a in, uh, child of two Canadian hippies and becoming wow. a Navy SEAL sniper, or just an wow. unexpected, unexpected life path. Um, and we really clicked uh, as, a, as a partnership. And one of our very first phone calls, he said, would you ever be interested in working on a, on a novel, on a thriller? Because the, the story is is." Not based on, but it's inspired by some, a real event, a series mm-hmm. of real events that he that he witnessed during his time in the navy. I won't get into that right now. But mm. um, so the idea was planted way back in two thousand nine uh, yeah. for, for us to, to team up on this novel.
2: Uh-huh.
1: It so happens that all I was writing was nonfiction, but all I was reading was fiction. Like I love reading mm-hmm. crime novels, great, great, great mysteries, great thrillers. I love them. I just love yeah. them. So, so I never thought I'd write one but the circumstance was there. He had this, this seed of an idea that needed to get turned into a thriller. And we had an established writing partnership and I happen to love crime novels. So it, we finally said after, after a decade, okay, let's do it. How is the process different? Usually. I mean, you know, the ABC thing I described, uh-huh. I gather information, right. then I work on my own, then we, sh- then we, we interact, same process. So in that okay. sense, it was the exact same writing process pretty much mm-hmm. what's so different is the 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 experience and the discipline of writing a thriller particularly mm. because like sometimes i say that thrillers are written for the reader what nonfiction books are not memoirs is written is all about the person you're writing about
2: mm. Let's
1: see. thriller is thriller is really all about the reader uh-huh. i say that because you you can't let the thread drop for a second. Mm. Now, for me, a nonfiction book is like give, uh, leading a tour of, of people, a group of people <laughs> through, a, through a museum.
2: Uh-huh, right? I see. Here's
1: this room, here's this exhibit. <laughs> Everybody come this way, come this way. Next room, next chapter. Now we're going in this exhibit. Now here's oh what's God. happening here. I explain it and they go, oh, that's interesting. Ask a few questions. Now, next room, it's all cool. It's a nice, it's a leisurely pace. It's easy uh-huh. to keep we can take a break for lunch. Not a problem. <laughs> a thriller is like, I've got six people who are terrified on a cliff. Oh, I say, yeah. okay, you are ready? Follow me. We are going to dash across this tightrope across the Grand Canyon.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: And it's a 460-page dash. And, and there's no break for lunch. There's mm-hmm. no, okay, now we're going to go to the next chapter. There's no, there's no questions, question period. Mm-hmm. It's like, <sighs> from moment to end you can't let it drop for a second and and so it's hugely disciplined i took out more words with this book than i've ever taken out my oh, first yeah. draft was 150,000 words uh-huh. and our agent said this is great but you've got to get it down to 100,000 mm. so we had to take out a third of what That's was amazing. in the page yeah. i I've, I've never you know had that kind of intense Writing discipline, and what I learned in that was how much better something can get by making it tighter, leaner, more concentrated, more focused. Um, It was just a fantastic experience, very, very thrilling, actually. Experience. Wow, that's
0: amazing! And like when you start writing, do you know where it's going? I mean, yeah.
1: Yes and no. Okay. Yes, and again, I've only written two so far, and one mm. of them I'm, you know, not quite finished, but mostly finished. So this is only my experience so far. But yes, by the time I start really drafting, mm. I kind of know where it's going. But there are a lot of there's a lot about how we get there mm. that I don't know, and there are a lot of surprises along the way uh, that shocked me. Right, the book I'm writing right now, about two thirds of the way through the book. There's this. I was sitting, actually folding laundry one morning at six thirty, because I had been drafting. I've been writing and thinking for a while, and I was kind of stuck. So I got up and I I did my version of taking a walk. I started folding some laundry, and I Mm -hmm. said, "Oh, what if that happened? No, we can't do that. Oh yeah, we have to do that." Mm -hmm. And there's this thing that happens that's so shocking. I had no idea it was going. It was coming, and it's like that is like the emotional turning point of the book for me wow. and I that I could never have come up with that in an outline I never I, yeah. saw it coming so I know what the kind of the final end is going to uh-huh. be more or less um like in there's a serial killer in steel fear well I know who it was Brandon and I both knew who it was from the start
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but there's a lot we didn't know uh so you know yes and no a lot of surprises happen
0: have you ever experienced like you know exactly where you want to go with it but then once you start writing your your writing kind of wants to take you this other way and you don't know if you should like go with that or still kind of make sure it gets to this point yeah yeah
2: what do you? Yeah. What's
0: yeah. your? Yeah. Do you have any advice for like? What do you, What should you go with? I mean, there's no should probably, right?
1: Not exactly, but I think so. Here's this will sound perhaps a little woo woo, but <laughs> my advice is 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 that you have to follow the story. Like you need mm. to let the story be the boss, and it can take a while for me anyway. Mm. It can take a while to kind of figure out what the story is. Sometimes you know. Sometimes when you start, when I start. Sometimes I, I don't exactly know what the story is. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know what the story, I, I have some ideas about it. I might know some mm-hmm. of the, you know, the practical circumstances of it, like, okay, there's a person who died and there's this, we're, we're in this, but sometimes you have to kind of work with it for a while mm-hmm. before you, you really find out what, what, what is happening here, what the story is really all about. And sometimes the story kind of, like you're saying, it pulls you in a certain direction. It may not be. the best way to go but it's definitely worth worth following yeah Yeah, definitely worth considering by the way you know some teachers tell you and and, you know one of my teachers tells me this and I love this guy and he's he's most of what he he teaches is just so right on for me but he teaches that before you start writing your novel you you kind of do a complete profile of of your main characters Mm. like you get you you spend weeks months if you need to Writing all about them, making up stuff, asking yourself questions about how would they act in this circumstance, and that what do mm. they eat, what were their traumas when they were a kid, who do they love to listen to, in the, uh, you know, in their in their MP three. I what I've found is that often I don't really know who these characters are until I've been writing them for a while. It's like mm. I write him for a little bit I and I go, that. yeah, I just realized this guy is a lot a lot angrier than I thought he was. Oh, wow, you know, or this person yeah. is a lot braver than I realized. And they they start to take you in certain directions in mm. the same way that the story does. So it's a balance of you are in charge, but at the same time you have to listen to the story. The story has to be the boss. There was a scene I wrote in Steel Fear that I just loved. I just like I think it was maybe my favorite scene in the story. And I had to take it out. I had mm. to delete it. Like directors do this with movies all the time, right? right? I love the scene, but it but the story is the boss and it didn't move the story forward. So, you know, when you, you you are at a fork in the road of any kind, my my number one priority is if I can, I can let the story be the boss.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's great advice. That's because that's like the simple bottom line you could always come back to. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's great. What do you think of there's often advice for writers. At least starting out to write what you know. What do you yes. think about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think the opposite. Ah, oh, interesting. Because <laughs> um, a, a lot of what I've I've done anyhow has been writing things I just don't know anything at all about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and here's a great example: Red Circle. I wrote this memoir mm-hmm. for Brandon. When my agent contacted me and said, "I got this Navy Seal in my office who wants to write a memoir, and he's not a bad writer himself. He's pretty good, but he he needs a you know a real pro to work with." So. My first thought was, what do I know about the life of the Navy SEAL? What do I know about the military? Nothing. Mm. I, you know, my dad was in World War II, but I wasn't born yet. I don't know anything about them. No, nope. so uh, same thing. Steel Fear takes place on an aircraft carrier. It's right behind me. Mm. This is the USS Abraham Lincoln, which Brandon actually served on in 96, wow. uh, and where the story actually takes place. I get to spend a day on this ship in, in 2019 when I was working in the manuscript. Wow. But when I started, I knew nothing about not just carriers, but the culture mm-hmm. of people, these 6,000 people on this ship. And, you know, so I had to go to school. And Here's the cool thing about this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like my dad came from Germany. He was an immigrant and mm-hmm. he learned English as an immigrant. Well, Something I learned from him is nobody loves the English language like somebody who came to it late in life.
0: Wow.
2: You
1: know, like an immigrant you know, who, who learns it and appreciates it because it's, it's, it's always has that kind of newness and, mm-hmm. and fascination. When I wrote The Red Circle, Brandon's memoir, uh-huh. I, had to learn so, I had to learn everything about the military and to be able to explain it to myself. So I was able to explain it to the reader in a way that they would get, no matter what their background. Yes. But yeah. I don't think I could have done it if, if I knew it really yes, well. yeah. So I think writing what you don't know and learning it while right, you're writing
0: right. it. Right, you have to.
1: Is a really cool adventure. And it's a really cool way to kind of grow yourself as a writer mm-hmm. and as a, as a person.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so brilliant. Because okay. you have a great point. Say you had all those experiences that it wasn't something you had to research because you know it, you yes. wouldn't necessarily be writing for a reader who doesn't know that at all.
2: Right. That's right. a very
0: good point, point. and that's true. You do read books like that. You do come across that occasionally where you're just kind of lost because it feels like, shoot, like I need to have this background.
1: Yeah, right? so I'm like amazing. outside looking in. Yeah, and don't yeah, be wrong. I mean, there's point. lots of people like you know from Tom Clancy to Brad Thor. There's lots of people who who you know who know this stuff. Not Brad Thor, but uh, uh, you know, lots of people who have lived it. Therefore, they write it yes. and they do yeah. an incredibly great job. Okay, right, fantastic, but. Uh, But, you know, Lee Child was never in the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He doesn't know the Army from firsthand experience. I mean, so, yeah, I I think that I think writing what you don't know is 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 the much wider, broader, more fruitful writer's Mm -hmm. journey.
0: Yeah, that's so it's amazing. And that kind of. I mean, it does. That could apply to not just writers, but actors as well. Um, yeah, like everyone, really, anyone. Created, oh, and here's the thing, does. exactly. Yeah.
1: And you, you, such a great point about actors too, because you know what actors find, and, and writers can find this too, is that when you when you when you plunge into a world that is totally foreign and alien to you, as you learn it, as you write it, what you discover is those things that are common to humanity. So you find, you find those things that you totally get, you're totally familiar with because they resonate with experiences you've had, even though you've never been in the military or you've never been a doctor or you've never been, you know, whatever. And the same thing as an actor, you know, you, you play Freddie Mercury and you're Rami Malek's like, what does he know about, you know, but you find those touch points Mm -hmm. uh, that resonate with you, whether it was something tragic or something hilarious or something, you know, about love or something about disappointment. And that's, you know, that's kind of the beauty of being an actor. It's the beauty of being a writer.
2: Mm-hmm. You find
1: ways to bring your own experience to this foreign alien. Thing. Right. And that's what makes it go, you know?
2: Yes.
0: Yes. Because no matter what, across all, every genre, everything, there's a universal truth that's there. Yes. And yes. that you can always hook into like the second you identify yeah. it, it hooks into you naturally. Right. And then it's like, I got it. That's, that's right. what it says. And that's, then it becomes yeah.
1: real. Yes. Yeah. And then
0: it's real. And then you also always have your imagination and we could always um, like Sanford Meisner says, acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Right. So, right. right. There you go. Right. You're just yeah, living yeah, yeah. this situation.
1: Yes. Yeah. I love. I that. remember when I was a kid, I think it's maybe in that book somewhere. I, re- I remember reading, uh, I read born free story about a lion, a woman who'd be pregnant mm-hmm. with a lion. And, I, and then I read Old Yeller. Everyone knows Old Yeller, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of both of those books, the, the, the lion dies, the dog dies. When the lion died, I was like, oh, that's too bad. The lion died. When the dog died, I was a wreck. Mm-hmm. I was just disconsolate for like, I was like eight years old or something like that. And I was just heartbroken. And it baffled me because that wasn't real, that was fiction, I knew it was mm-hmm. fiction. Old Yeller didn't really happen, it was a story. And the lion thing was real, it did happen, mm-hmm. but it didn't affect me emotionally at all. And I asked my mom about that and she said, you know, the thing about fiction is that it's not real but it's realer than real. And I think that's exactly true. I think that those things, you know, when you, when you write an imaginary circumstance and you find the truth that's in there, it's just like, mmm, it just resonates right. like crazy.
0: Yeah, I love that story. Also, to even have that awareness at that age is so smart to ask your mom that. You yeah, know. That's
1: my, give my mom credit for that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, like to realize, though, how come this is affecting me and <laughs> this doesn't? Like, very yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I was curious about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Did you have siblings as well or no?
1: I had an older brother and a younger brother.
0: Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was just wondering. So you're the middle one. I'm also the middle.
1: <laughs> yes, we are forgot the we are the forgotten middle children, aren't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask you a few just random fun oh, questions. Boy. All right. All
1: right. I'll take a sip of tea.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I'll ask you this. What is your favorite question?
1: Maybe it's that. <laughs> what is your favorite question? Uh, I guess my favorite question is, you know, people say, what do you want your impact to be? Mm. And uh, I-, I always want to quote the uh, the epitaph on the gravestone at the end of the Royal Tenenbaums. You know, here lies Royal Tenenbaum who died saving his brave- bravely, saving his family in a terrible storm at sea or something like that. <laughs> it's totally, totally made up. Right. It's great. But it was it was made up. But it was true also mm-hmm. in, in in a way uh, I-, I and my answer for that is is just I want. People to say he made a difference. I wanted yes. a difference in people's lives.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Um, if you could be a professional athlete, what sport would you play?
1: <laughs> Probably as a runner. Oh. As long distance okay. running. Yeah. Did you runner.
0: run growing up or not nothing at all? Like no I was, experience?
1: I was wasn't super strong. I wasn't a super athlete, but I was a good runner. And, hmm. and I, and I, and I probably, if I, if I developed at the athletic side of my life, it would have been as a runner. Mm, and I just like the idea of, of, you know, seeing a lot of scenery running, running.
0: Yeah. Running. I love that too. Isn't it crazy? We have all these like other path, like in a book, like in anything, right? There's all these other path pathways that I guess could have happened. Other possible again, universes don't exist. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, they right. don't, but then again, they sort of do because you can imagine them. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. And then this podcast is called Behind the Now, but yes. I love to focus on Be the Now. Um, so what are some ways that you be the now? And that's up to your interpretation. So like you can ask me more if you don't understand this question.
1: You know, here's, here's what's interesting about that for me is that for, I feel like um, the first, so I'm, over, I'm, I'm older than 50. I feel like for the first 50 years of my life, I was kind of missing my life. Mm. Yeah, I felt like the first 50 years of my life, I was practicing, practicing being me um, mm. or something. And, and that most of the time, like moment to moment through most days, I was thinking about the future. Mm. I was like, I was very goal oriented, very achievement oriented. Um, and yeah, to some extent regretting the past, but mostly very future oriented. Mm. And it feels like it's just been in the last 10 years or so, that my, my greatest goals in life have been not something to be achieved in the future, mm-hmm. but how, how I am every day.
2: Mm-hmm. just how
1: I am right now. Like my, my, my you know, somebody asked me, asked me recently, what's your definition of success? And my definition of success, what did I say? It was um, living with someone you love, doing what you were put here to do, and doing it well. And that's just like you can do that every day. I can do that every mm-hmm. day. So um, I, I think that being in the now didn't have much reality to me for a lot of my life, and you know, and now it now it does. I'm a much happier person because it has reality every day.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Is there anything that you can give credit to? Making that transition, or like, or is it just an awareness? You know, like, is there anything like any practices or or no practices, yes. whatever, however, yeah. Yes, what made I think you aware of it.
1: I think the first thing is having suffered through dismal failures, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, having having gone through. I have I've been through some some tragic things and some difficult things and some terrible mm-hmm. things, and 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 I think through that, there was, there was a certain sort of impetuous arrogance that I had, which has been a little bit tempered by time and circumstance, mm. which has, you know, just led me to be a little more circumspect. Um, you know, writers like Eckhart Tolle and so forth. I mean, the talking just, I've always had a philosophical bent. So I've, I've always been fascinated with, with Zen and with all kinds of, mm. uh, of philosophical writings since I was a kid. Uh, but I think it, it took in my personal life a bunch of humbling experiences to uh, for all that to kind of get internalized mm-hmm. and sink in and go ah, okay you know what and 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 there's actually beauty in this and there's joy in this and there's achievement in this um you know plus which i have to say honestly another big part of it is that I, i've been divorced twice
2: mm-hmm.
1: my first two marriages had their strong points that they, mm-hmm. they produced lovely children and they were they were part of what helped make me, me, but they were troubled and difficult and ended. And then I'm now in my third marriage, which is like, like heaven on earth. I mean, Mm. we're just best friends and our life together is easy. Mm. It's just, you know, there's difficulty in the world, but there's not difficulty in our world. Mm. So that I think is part of what makes now real for me is that this now is, is, you know, pretty damn good. So
0: yeah, that's beautiful. I love hearing that. That's amazing. Yes. For all
1: of you, all of you struggling love learns out there, there is somebody for you. I promise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Everyone, everyone needs to go through. This is with everything, but in relationships too, you learn from each thing and like you just, it's timing. And there's just so many factors, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went through relationships that ultimately didn't work. I went through careers that ultimately didn't Mm -hmm. fit me. And I think it, it took me half a century. To kind of find the circumstances, the career, the partner that, you know, all sort of kind of fit me better, which mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just going to guess goes hand in hand with getting a better sense of who I really am. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. I mentioned the Joan Didion thing, right, to find out what I think. And, you know, my version of that is I think we live to find out who we are. And mm. for some people, they get that by the time they're 20 or by the time they're 10.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for me you know i'm a late bloomer i guess
0: (laughs) that's amazing how did how have you dealt with doubt in general like
1: um wow that's a good question particularly in context of writing because
2: Uh
1: even though i've written a lot of books uh, I still, you know, it that happens not once, not twice, but, you know, many, 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 many times mm-hmm. with every book, I sit down in the morning and I go, ay, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I just, I don't, this, that book was great, but this book is, is not, is a mess. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and, and so that's where I experience probably more doubt than anywhere else. Not that mm-hmm. I don't experience elsewhere, but that's, I feel huge doubt there. And the way I deal with that is I take a big breath and I say, this is where faith comes in. Mm. Just, you know, th- there, there is a story that wants to be told and it's, it's going to be me that tells it. It's going to happen. It's there. And I just kind of, I can't see it now, but I, it's self-talk. I've, mm-hmm. I've trained myself to talk to myself in a way that's kind and compassionate and is also, uh, I guess you could say, optimistic, but, you know, it's based on the belief in a positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's how I deal with it.
0: Yeah. And that's the bottom line of, I think that's how you have to deal with it. Because it's the bottom yeah. line. Because you have your thoughts, which is creating how you feel often. Yes. And so once you identify, okay, well, that thought is making me feel this way, you change that. Yes. Um, But yeah, that's that's amazing. Yes. Yeah.
1: And it's not, you know, it's not like saying you can do it, Johnny. You can, do, right, it. You can right. do it. Those things can sound, can, can feel so artificial and external and just plus which mm. there's a voice inside me saying, yeah, BS, you know? <laughs> so the whole, like, you know, yeah, put a smile yeah. on your face and keep a stiff upper lip and say, you can do it, Johnny. Eh, it, it's, it's a more of an inner voice where you say, ah, I am terrified right now, but you know what? So for example, I'll sit down and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'll hear myself say that and I will take that and I will change it into and i say, I don't know right now how this chapter ends or where it's going, but I can't wait to find out. Hmm. And I'm going to find out.
0: Yeah. And that's, and know. also surrendering sometimes to faith. You said faith, which is very, yes. very true for all yes. creative things. And like in, in the creativity of it but also in like the bigger scope of it like the business side of it you know like to have trust
1: yeah. really yeah 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 it can be and that can be hugely difficult because no matter how fortunate and lucky and everything well positioned you are you know tomorrow something will come crashing down on your expectations and you'll you'll be facing it all over again mm. and it happens to, i imagine till you die <laughs> it's like you know so you're always having to To face uh, unexpected disappointment and say, okay, this is all, it's all good.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And ideally to also try not be attached to the external outcome all the time of what you're doing, you know, which is hard. It's hard, but yeah, (laughs) that's ideal. Yes, it is.
1: Yes, it's true. (laughs) It is true.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. You've given How such you? gold, like, wow. And everyone must read your um, your ebook. Actually, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you? Like where to find your sure. work? Yeah, go for it.
1: Sure. Okay, so uh, the place where kind of my nexus, my little place where everything is is put together is my website, which is just my name, John David Mann, M-A-N-N, two Ns, JohnDavidMann.com. And all my books are there, um, plus sample chapters of, of each book. You, know, you can get a taste of each book. Uh, um, my blog is there uh, where I share a lot of thoughts about sort of the process of being a human being as well as the process of writing. Uh, if, you, if you hit the contact link and actually send a little email, it doesn't go to a staff. There is no staff. It goes to me. So mm-hmm. I'll answer. I can't promise I'll be brilliant, but I can promise that I'll answer. Um, And all my social media, you know, links and channels are are all there. And uh, if you hit the, I think it's called free ebook. There's an ebook link on there. Then you'll get the book that Jen is talking about.
0: Yes, which is amazing. And by the way, I'm also almost finished with The Latte Factor, which is amazing. Yeah, I have it right here. Sweet.
1: Love it. That's great. That was fun to write.
0: And The Go-Giver. I'm like halfway in. (laughs)
1: Wow. and they're all
0: awesome. amazing so i'm really excited to keep reading your work
1: cool oh that's yeah. so nice to hear thank you
0: yeah Yeah.
1: Thank let me know you. what you think after it's after you've gone through and read the whole thing
0: okay Maybe i will i will you thank you so much i really appreciate it i really do you, know. you're you. amazing likewise um, thank you